Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm late. I'm late. For a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds. And your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps. So you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. This is the Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. <laughs> Day 7,829 of the quarantine. I don't know if that's right or wrong, to be honest with you. Seems high. Could be a bit lower. Not sure. What is time anymore, guys? Just a construct that we've created to continue to not go crazy? Well, guess what? We're knee-deep in it. Everyone's losing their minds! Is it just me or is everyone having the weirdest dreams right now, by the way? The weirdest dreams. Is maybe because I'm just watching the most violent shit on TV. Like, I went from Tiger King, where I'm pretty sure a meth-toting, tiger-loving polygamist tried to kill another woman who's definitely, probably, killed her husband and fed him tigers, and then straight in to Jason Bateman, laundering money for the Navarro cartel in Ozark and killing everybody. Also, Wendy, dude, you got to pump the brakes a little bit. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch Ozark. Season one, season two, season three. All right? Just appreciation post right now for Jason Bateman. Just right off the bat. Dude, I don't know what you're doing right now. I don't know how many other things you got in the can waiting for later in the year, but now's the time to release, Okay. Because guess what? The Outsider, phenomenal. Ozark, amazing. I digress. Joe Exotic. Jason Bateman with the Navarro cartel. No wonder I'm having the weirdest dreams during this quarantine. Also, maybe we're all just a little bit stressed. Which is why you come to this podcast to escape for a second and find out about those celebrities out there and how they became so well-known. Honestly... My producer has been wanting me to do this show in particular for a while. And originally, Amy wanted me to release this on April Fool's Day, where it was just an episode of me interviewing myself as to my origin story and how I became, quote unquote, a celebrity, which I'm not. I'm celebrity adjacent. All right. Unfortunately, celebrity isn't sexually transmitted or else. Yes, I would be. All right. But I'm not. Okay. I'm recognizable at best. 
But Amy wanted me to do a Wells cast episode about the origin story of me, Wells, which is so self-aggrandizing and so egocentric and the most Bachelor shit I've ever heard in my entire life. And we were going to do it as an April Fool's joke. But guess what? God decided to play an April Fool's joke on all of us. <laughs> and decided to say, guess what? The world is ending. So hang out and watch Netflix for a couple of weeks and see who goes crazy first. So anyways, we're going to do this episode now, this week, a week after April Fool's. Because guess what? We just don't have anyone booked. And to be honest with you, I don't know. What's the point anymore, guys? I'd like to have celebrities on, but I don't want them coming over to my house because coronavirus, you know? So I'm going to do myself. Sounds so sexual, but we are. We are going to do it, and here we are. By the way, on day 7,862 of quarantine, I've grown a beard. Sarah says she likes it. I have a theory on this. It's because I look like a different person, and she's tired of the person that she's having to be quarantining with for the past three weeks. So now it's like a new guy's here. Effectively, she gets a f another guy, and I don't blame her. All right? I look disgusting. Everything about me is foul. <laughs> so anyways, coming up in just a couple of minutes, the episode no one has been asking for. The episode where I interview myself right here on the Wells Guys. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Back in the Wells cast, I'm in my home studio, which is so nice that I have this built. Thank God. I don't have to go anywhere. Not that I could go anywhere, because it's definitely not essential for me to do this show. But I can do this show from my house, which is cool. And I'm excited. We've got some cool guests coming up uh, in the coming weeks. 
don't really have anyone lined up this week, but this is a show that my producer, Amy, has been wanting me to do for a little bit and kind of wanted to save this uh, for the book deal that I would sell, you know, 10, 12 years down the line, my, a memoir of a douchebag. But, um, but you know what? Why not give it to iHeartRadio for the $17 an hour that they pay me? Huh? I mean, why not? The world is ending, of course. I tried to figure out how to do this, and I went on a run earlier, and I was like, how do you interview yourself? Oh, my God, I just did a, the, the ding from my other podcast. That's so funny. I didn't mean to do that. Sorry, I'm going to put that bell away for a different podcast. How do you interview yourself and not make it seem so weird? And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, well, because I do a lot of different voices. You know, I have the Cooking Wells voice I do on Instagram. I've been doing Jericho James, which is the country star that I do on my Instagram because I'm bored. I do Carl's voice, which is my dog. He's a bloodhound. It's, oh, hey, guys, how's it going? Kind of dopey. So I was like, what if I just do a different voice and that that person interviews me? I was like, what voice do I do? And then I thought I'd just do radio voice because radio voice is, it's like the, the thing that everyone asks me about my radio career when they find out that I'm a radio DJ or I was a radio DJ, uh, do I have a radio voice? And the, the answer is yes and no, right? You can kind of put it on a little bit. You know how it used to sound, you know? It's like that um, Family Guy episode where... Stewie and Brian get a radio show. Dingo and the baby, 97.1. Turn it on and rip the knob off. All right, in three, two, one. This is the lunch hour with your host. Hey, what's up, Cohog? From the station that reaches the beaches, you're listening to Dingo and the baby. Dingo and the baby, 97.1, Cohog. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> hell are you doing what what the hell does that have to do with anything are they just wacky sounds you <laughs> so know they're driving things up good morning <laughs> okay so you know what i'm talking about that's that like uh, everyone's got a radio voice and i would have effectively say i think i did I did it definitely in high or in, in high school and in college when I did my show. And I'm gonna see if I can find some old clips, old air checks from high school and college. But effectively, everyone asked the question. Everyone asked the question, "Do you have a radio voice?" And I always say like, "No, this is kind of this voice." But I did when I was doing radio like a lot. I would put a little more traction on my voice. All right. So like, uh, and that at two point one, the new sound of Rebel Radio coming at you live from Oxford, Mississippi. You'd kind of do that annoying voice. I did that for a while because that's what I thought radio people sound like. But then I realized that's just what douchebags sound like. So I just I stopped doing that later on in my career. But I thought that that guy should interview this guy. So can that guy get the intro? Do you like how I'm I'm asking? I used to do this all the time in my shows. I would ask someone a question like that. But as if I had a producer that could do it for me, but then I would be the one doing it. Uh, all the time I used to do that. Can I get that intro real quick? Hold on. Yeah? Okay. By the way, when I say like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's as if I'm talking to someone in like a different room. There's no one else there. It's just me buying time so I can get to this stupid thing. This is the Wells Cast with <laughs> Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. Welcome into the Wellscast. I'm your host, Douchebag Wells Adams. Excited for our guest today. You know him, you love him. He's serving up the beach and the tea every summer on Bachelor in Paradise on ABC Monday and Tuesday nights. Hopefully that happens this year, but who the hell knows? 
You also might know him from not capturing the love of JoJo Fletcher on season 12 of The Bachelorette. Welcome into the podcast, me. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, seemed like a bit over the top in terms of an intro, but all right. Appreciate you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Wells. Thanks for asking. I don't know if anyone explained the show to you, but basically I'm upset. This is what I always say. It's so weird. I don't know why I always say this, but it's true. Basically, I'm obsessed with the origin stories of people and how they became famous. Like, how the hell did you get that blue check mark on your Instagram account? Tell us the steps that you took to get from nowhere to here. Uh, all right. It was a late spring night, and I emerged from my mother's vagina at 7.45 p.m. Seven pounds, seven ounces. Yeah, anyways, um, I was born in Monterey, California, which is where they filmed Big Little Lies. It used to be the claim to fame was the was the aquarium in Monterey, California, and like golf courses in Pebble Beach and stuff. But now it's just where Reese Witherspoon hangs out <laughs> and films Big Little Lies. Which, by the way, just so everyone knows, that show is filmed in Carmel, which is a part of Monterey. In fact, it's a town over from Monterey, but it's not filmed in Monterey. Okay, so it should be called the Carmel Killers, not the Monterey Five. Just throwing that out there. So yeah, I was born in Monterey. And listen, I wish I had some like cool story to tell you about how I fought and clawed my way through and this rags to riches story, but it's just not true. I mean, if you've ever been to Monterey, it's it's a it's a rich people town, so it just is what it is. I came from an affluent family. My father's a OBGYN, so we were really well off. I'm the youngest of five kids. I guess that's why I kind of do what I do because I was always like fighting to get a word in edgewise, you know, like, and I was always trying to impress my older siblings. I'm, by the way, the youngest by a lot. So everyone in my family is like two years apart and then there's a huge six year age gap. My mother will say I was a surprise. My father will just straight up be like, you were a mistake for many reasons, but also he's an OBGYN. So what the f are you doing, dude? That's your one job is to know like menstrual cycles and when your wife may or may not be like ovulating. That's your one, that's that and like pap smears, pap smear, pap smear, whatever. Those are your jobs and infertility and stuff. He specialized in infertility. You think he would also know a thing or two about fertility, but no. So Bob Adams, you f***ed it up, bro. And then you got me and I'm such a disappointment. Do you understand how hard it is for my father to understand what the hell it is that I do for a living? A guy who went to like med school, you go to college. After, after college, kid, you go get a job at a law firm. And after a law firm, you, you go intern at the big company and then you work your way up. You know, and then he's like, what What do you do? You tell jokes on the radio? How much do they pay you? $30,000. You shouldn't do that. That's stupid. So anyways, I wish I had this rags to riches story, but I don't. I, I came from a nice family. I'm very close with all my siblings. I've Zoom FaceTimed with them multiple times during this quarantine. Weird name growing up. All right. My name's Wells. Do you know how much I hated that name growing up? It immediately made me different. Here are my best friends growing up names, okay? Ryan, Paul, Alex, Matt, another Alex, and Wells. I'm immediately the weird kid. Everyone's normal. And then there's, what is your name? The plural form of a deep hole in the ground used for fetching water? Huh, how much weed does your parents smoke? Way too much, apparently. Actually, none. They're very conservative people. It's one of those things of like, I hated it growing up. And then like, I love it now because it just makes me, I'm different. Just off the, right off the bat, I'm not like everybody else. And that's awesome. I love it. It's funny. My name like spiked in uh, popularity after The Bachelor at and Bachelor in Paradise. And 
I have a lot of people that like reach out to me being like, Hey man, we were thinking about, we really like your name. We were thinking about naming our kid. Wells. what do you think? Dude, I loved it. I hated it growing up because it made me different. And I love it now that I'm older because it made me different, you know? So anyways, super story. So Wells, what was your childhood like? My childhood was totally freaking normal, dude. I played sports. I was a goofball. I built forts. Me and Ryan Palachi got a Polaroid camera once and we took pictures of our butts. We pulled our pants down and mooned the camera and took pictures. And then we put those pictures into a, I don't know why we did this, but we took our, took the pictures and we put it in a Ziploc bag and then we built it. We, we dug a hole right by the fort and we buried the pictures because we thought for sure our parents were going to ground us for doing that. And they probably would. Actually, they probably should have because that's so weird. But that's what you do when you're like 11 years old. You do weird stuff. I, had a weird, I was just normal childhood. Also, like growing up late 80s, early 90s, we built a tree fort. I'm not I'm not kidding you. We built a tree fort that was at least 100 feet high. And guess who built it? I, me and my siblings built it. Not contractors that know anything about wood and nails and levels and stabilization. My parents were like, yeah, do whatever you want to do. Go build a fort. I don't care. We built this thing. It went so high up in the air. The And then, dude, it was so dope, dude. We had a fort, and then from the fort, we had a balance beam. No, this is no joke. We had a balance beam that you had to walk across over to the to a tree. So right off the bat, that's like a 10-foot off the ground balance beam over to a tree. Once you get to the tree, then you lift yourself up like a little ledge there. On that ledge, that's where we had our zip line down about maybe 25 yards that ended in a tree, okay? So what did we do? We got a comforter and we wrapped the comforter around the tree. So when we smacked our faces directly in the tree, we didn't die. Okay. We also, from that point, we took a, this is not a joke. We took, what is it called? A curtain rod and we nailed it into a tree branch and we used that as the fire escape pole. I just remember hammering as many nails in there as possible just so we'd hope it would. And, and then we got a rope. <laughs> And we t tied the rope around the nails in the tree. So like if the nails broke through, the rope might hold it up. Okay. So if you didn't take the zip line down, you could go up to like the next level, which was so wonky. All right. It was just like plywood. By this time, you're like f 40 feet in the air. Okay. And it was just like plywood that was just like, I don't know, man. And then you go a little bit higher to around 60 feet, 65 feet. Now they're level. And then way at the top of the tree, of a pine tree in Monterey, California, we had the quote unquote lookouts nest. And this is how we didn't live anywhere near the beach, probably like a 15 minute drive to, down to the beach. We built a crow's nest up there. All right. At least 100 feet tall that you could see the ocean from. And our parents were like, whatever. Now I see my sisters with their kids and they can't go anywhere. The fact that I'm not dead is absolutely beautiful. Wow, I've done 23 minutes on, and I haven't even gotten out of like middle school. Okay. All right, so then what happened? Um, straight up, I was a normal kid. I was like a preppy kid. I went to private Catholic school, and then I went to a an all-boys Catholic school for high school, and that sucked. It, I mean, I, I ended up liking it, but it sucked in the beginning so hard, okay? Because I didn't know anybody. There's just a lot of like, macho dudes. It was the fucking bachelorette all over again, but first. So it was the bachelorette before I had to do the bachelorette. And it was like known for a sports and I was a good athlete, but everyone was just so like going through puberty and I wasn't. And so I just had to be like funny and witty and like make people like me that way. And I was bullied a little bit by 
Nick Trevino was such a bully to me. Nick Trevino, you're you're a dick, all right? We're friends now, and I do love him, but he was such a dick to me. Why would you be a bully? He drove the, the most bully car in the world. He drove a lifted, bright yellow Yukon. If that's not the biggest bully car you've ever heard of, you don't know bullies, all right? And I'm not talking about, like, lifted three inches. It was a good 15-inch lift because his dad was a mechanic or something, and, like, they did it together, or, like, I don't even know. Anyways, Nick Torino, such Love you to death now, but you were a dick then. Here's the deal. All my other friends, they went to the rich kid prep school in Pebble Beach called RLS. And by the way, I went there because I was so stupid and I couldn't get into the nice prep school, just so everyone knows. I went to the all boys high school because your boy's dumb. But all my friends went to the nice prep school. And so I was like really friends with all those people over there. And over there at that school, Robert Louis Stevenson, RLS, they had radio class. That's how rich that school was. They had an actual class. They taught people how to do the radio. And they had an actual live radio station that they shared time with the BBC. So you could do a radio show like in the morning or in the night or like in the weekends. And then the other time it was the BBC. And it was called Radio Stevenson, KSBB, 91.9. Still remember the call letters, still remember the dial position, know everything about it. And my buddy Alex Brandt and Paul Hewish and... Jim Lindsay, they all had their own radio shows. And I, I would go and watch them do it. And I was like, this is the dopest thing in the world. Why can't I do this? I want to do this. So I begged my my buddy Alex to let me be on his radio show. And we did a show on Sunday nights. And basically what we would do is it was it was my buddy Alex Brandt. It was myself. It was my buddy Ryan. And then my buddy Matt. And we all had different, we had radio names. So Alex had a huge nose. So we called him Toucan Sam. So mean, but uh, high school kids, whatever. And I was Papa Smurf. I don't know. That's what I came up with. My buddy Ryan Palacci, who's the most Sicilian guy ever, he was Wapa with Cheese Royale because we called him a WAP because we were so racist then, but he thought it was funny. Like, I can't believe, it. how did we do this? And then my buddy Matt, he was the polar bear because he was so pale white that we called him polar bear because he looked like a he looked like a polar bear. He looked like the Coke Christmas commercials. Okay, that's really, and he still looks like that, by the way. So yeah, we would do a radio show every Sunday night and we would like have bands on and we interview them and we would like put on 12 minute fish songs and go out in the back and like smoke cigarettes and we'd like drink and stuff. Like I can't, like the stuff that we got away with was, was crazy. One bit I do remember, which I thought was so funny and like looking back, I can't believe that we did this, but my buddy Matt, he got caught drinking or something. So he was grounded for like three months. And so he wasn't allowed to come to the show. This was Polar Bear, by the way. We would call his house and try to get him on the show. And we would try to trick his parents. And we one time called his parents and told I told him that I was the dean of Notre Dame. He wanted to go to Notre Dame. I was the dean of Notre Dame. And I had some really exciting news about his admissions. And I needed to talk to Matt. And his parents were so excited. So excited that the dean of Notre Dame was calling. And uh, we got Matt on. And he, Matt was so excited. And then it was us. Oh, no, he's going on the stupid radio show. And he applied to Notre Dame and didn't get in. Oh, my God. He ended up, ended up being fine, but whatever. So I did a radio show in high school. So then here's what happened. So then I realized I really liked that. That was fun. I come from this big family, right? So my father made a rule that we all had to leave the state of California to go to college. All my siblings went to school in the South. 
uh, my sister went to Vanderbilt, which is so hard to get into. It's like Harvard of the South, what do they call it? I couldn't get in there. I looked all around the South. I looked at SMU. I looked at Ole Miss. I looked at UGA. I looked at College of Charleston. And I ended up going to Ole Miss, one, because the girls there were so hot. And why you let an 18-year-old kid choose what college he's going to go to? is so dumb because they're of course you're gonna make the terrible decisions of like there was i saw 17 hot girls today so you know 34 days today you know like the dumbest letting an 18 year old kid decide that's dumb but anyways i i really liked old miss it was cool because eli manning was the quarterback there that was pete manning's uh brother and so it was in the sec and there was like football games and hot chicks and the south seemed cool to me and they had a really good journalism department I will give you that. The claim to fame was that Shepard Smith came from Old Miss. And at the time, my parents loved Fox News. They still love Fox News. But they were like, oh, Shepard Smith went to school here. And they had a radio station. I was like, I want to do radio. So I went to college. I had so much fun at college. I was still a terrible student, but had a great time. I did everything. I was a fraternity bro for like two semesters. And they kicked me out because they caught me smoking pot on the pledge retreat. We went camping. You go camping to like learn more about your pledge brothers or whatever. And so we went camping like in the Smoky Mountains and uh, someone brought pot and I went and smoked weed and the, the older douchebag brothers, were they caught us and they were like, they sent us home, put me in front of a panel of guys who, by the way, like like I smoked pot with before, they were like chastising me and I was like, I'm so confused, guys. And they're like, what are you confused about? I was like, I, I kind of thought that this is what this was. Was First of all, we were camping. Second of all, this is a fraternity. When I watch Animal House, like, this is what Belushi did. Like, what are you talking about? And they're like, are you sorry? I'm like, I'm sorry I got caught. And I'm so sorry I chose this fraternity because you guys are douchers. I thought you you drink, you throw parties, and you smoke pot in, in fraternities. That's not, Is this not what this is? So then what happened was my dad used to send me the checks for deuce, which is so much money back then. I should have known it was, I didn't need to do it when I saw how much money it was to be a part of a club. He wrote the checks in my name. So for like two semesters, I didn't pay for my dues, I just lived it up. And one day, the fraternity uh, treasurer, his name, what was his name? I hated him so much. He was such a nerd. He came up and he was like, you were like $4,000. And I was like, oh, yeah. Or no, I, I wrote him a check and it bounced. And he like, your check bounced. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, sorry about that. And so they kicked me out. And they were like, you can be in um, or you can leave. And I was like, peace out, guys. And so then that, that so I did that. But then I left. I was still doing the radio thing. I was like working for the Daily Mississippian, which was the newspaper that they put out every day. So I wrote for that. There was a television show that the journalism department put on called Newswatch. And I was like the weather guy and that did sports. And then we did like a little magazine style television show called um, Southern Exposure, where I'd go around and I'd do. I wanted to be like the funny ESPN anchor and they didn't get my humor or whatever, but I still have that somewhere. It's so bad. I do an expose on the Grove where I want to play like uh, Frisbee golf and whatever. And then I was also doing my radio shows and I was doing a bunch of different radio shows. I was doing the request launch that I would take calls. And then I was also doing specialty shows, which I thought were so cool. And I would do a specialty show every Saturday night and I called it the Old Coast Road Show. And my name was Dave Garber because there's a famous um, Clint Eastwood movie taking place in Monterey, California, his directorial debut. I talked about it with freaking Scott Eastwood a couple episodes back called Play Misty for Me. And he, he's a radio DJ and his name is Dave Garber. So I did a, a show called the Old Coast Road Show where I'd play jazz music and my name is Dave Garber on it, and no one got no one got the joke unless you were 75 years old listening to my station, which you weren't. And I played jazz music way late at night, and I thought to myself, all the college kids are just just boning down to this music. And then I realized no one was, because they were just listening at that time, listening to like LimeWire. 
I played rugby. I thought that I was really good at that. That was fun. I also played soccer in college. I loved it. It took me five years to do it because victory lap and I'm dumb. So once you graduated college, what did you do? So at the time, my thought was because my sister went to Vanderbilt and I liked Nashville. I was like, I'm going to go try to get a job in Nashville doing radio. And if that works, great. If it doesn't, I'm going to go up to New York and try up in New York. If that doesn't work, I'm going to go west and I'm going to go to San Francisco go closer to home and see if I can get a job in San Francisco or like Seattle. I was like thinking of like where I thought like music meccas were. That was my like kind of just my thought process. And I always said I would never move to LA because all my friends that moved to LA were so fake. That's so funny. That's foreshadowing, by the way, guys. So I go to Nashville and my sister's still living there. Her husband is in grad school there. And she's like, hey, there's this super dope little indie radio station called Lightning 100. You should go apply. So I went and applied. They were surprised that I had so much radio experience because I had done it in high school. Like my resume looked great. I had done it in high school. Obviously, I did it in college, but they didn't have any DJ spots open. There was a secretary job open. And I was like, listen, guys, I just want to get back into radio. Like this seems like this is an opportunity. Can I just can I be the secretary? I met with the program director, a guy named David Hall rest his soul. And he was like, you know what? You are not qualified to be a secretary, but you are qualified to be a board op and a weekend DJ. So we'll put you on at $10 an hour for board opping. And board opping is like in radio, they do things called remotes. And when you do a remote, that means you're doing a radio show live remotely from somewhere else. So I'm like, I'm live from Big John's car lot and they're selling cars half off today. Come on down and get yourself a sticker and a magnet and a koozie and maybe you can win the Dodge Viper. You know, like th- that's what that is. But you need someone back at the station to be like pressing the buttons and being like, all right, you can talk now. Okay, hit the button to go to commercials, like that kind of stuff. So I was a board op and I would do that for remotes. And then we did a live remote called Nashville Sunday Night, which is a live broadcast from this bar called Third Lindsley, which is still in Nashville. It's a great place. You could check it out. And then I would do like two shifts on Saturdays and like two shifts on Sundays. But that didn't pay the bills. So I waited tables at a place called Bricktops, which is still in Nashville and it is delicious. And I got nothing but love for that restaurant. And if you go to Nashville, you should go to Bricktops because it's so good. I waited tables there. And at the time it was just so interesting because everyone there was a musician. I mean, everyone in Nashville is a musician just in general, but everyone there was in it. Looking back, there were some really, really good ones. Like my buddy Gabe, he's the bass player for Alana Royale, which is a phenomenal soul band that you should look into. My buddy Ben Ringel was the lead singer of a band called the Delta Saints, which were a great Cajun band. Devin Dawson, who's like a country star. I think I got him the job there, weirdly enough. Everyone was this creative there. So it was, it felt like a really safe space. And then I was like the radio DJ. I was in the industry as well. And at the time I lived in a house in Hillsborough Village that was owned by Buddy Miller. And Buddy Miller is a really well-known session musician in Nashville. He was also the band leader for Robert Plant's Band of Joy. Robert Plant is, well, he was the lead singer of a band called Led Zeppelin. Never heard of it? Okay. So Buddy Miller lived across the street from us. And we lived in this amazing house in Hillsborough Village. And we would have these like long shifts at Brick Tops. And then all my friends would come over and we had built this, we had a front porch that was kind of like closed in, right? We put a couch out there at a record player and I had a kegerator from college and I put in there and we call it the parlor. All my musician buddies would come over and we would drink off my kegerator after our shifts. We'd get wasted and they would all play music and I would, and I'd throw on records. It was so much fun. And then we lived across the street from Buddy Miller. So we'd be like smoking cigarettes on the stoop 
uh, at like two in the morning and Robert Plant would walk in the door next door you know, across the street. And then like Jeff Bridges and T-Bone Burnett and Emmy Lou Harris and Brandy Carlisle and Dan Auerbach of the Black Keys. And like we would be, it was a, what a weird time to be alive. It was so cool. I would work doubles at Bricktops. I'd come home. All my friends would come over. Everyone would be playing music. We'd be playing records. We'd be talking about music. We'd be seeing our heroes walking across the street. And then I'd wake up, do it again. And then I would like go to the radio station, burn at both ends, do overnight shifts, board up. I just hustled. I just hustled super hard. And I did that for a long time. I think I did it for two and a half years. And I remember when the weeknight DJ at seven to 10, give or take generally, or seven to midnight, depending on how much your program director sucks. When she'd left the radio station I was working for and they offered me the job, I was the happiest person I've ever, I've ever been. It may be second to like getting engaged to Sarah, but, and it was $30,000, $30,000 a year. But I had, I went and worked this dope radio station, had my own radio show professionally from seven to 10, I think it was seven to 10 every night. And I was also the, the promotions assistant, which that job sucked, by the way. I hated being the promotions assistant, writing newsletters and like ordering more koozies and stuff. That job sucked, but it didn't matter. I remember getting to go put my two weeks in a brick tops and it was the greatest moment of my life. And I made so much more money at brick tops. I made so much more money waiting tables than I ever did in radio. Ever did. Sorry, but it's true. So then I just hustled there and I was a good employee and people liked my show. And then what happened was the afternoon drive host, David Hall, who hired me, David Hall rocks y'all. That was his call line. He passed away and it was like very sudden and no one knew it was going to happen. And it happened like on a weekend. We found out on a Saturday he had did a show. It's called voice tracking. When you record a show into the future, that was going to air the next day. It was going to air and he was going to have already been dead. Found out the news and I was like, that's fucked up if that airs. So I took it upon myself and I went in and I retracked his show. Because I was like, that's just super weird to have a dead man's voice in the air. Like, that's just bad mojo, right? And everyone was like, well, what are we going to do going forward? Well, in the time being, I'll just track his show. I'll just do his show live. And then I'll also do the night show. Great. Then we were going we to hire some like big name to come do the afternoon drive. So like, that's a big show. But guess what? Your boy's good at radio and people love me. And so I did that show for a couple years, all right? And then what happened was the morning show became available. The morning show host was fired from Lightning. That show became available. I was one of the people, and I talked about it when I, was, when I did Chris's interview. I talked about it with him. I was one of the people that was helping the program director find the candidates for that morning show. But I threw my name in the hat. And at the time, my program director, his name was Dave Rossi. I think you'd be good at this. Why don't you give it a crack? Not a morning person at all. But you know what? Everyone in the radio world wants the morning show. It's the, it's the time in which everyone's freaking listening. So I did it and they gave the job to me. So then I was a morning show host in Nashville, Tennessee for this cool little indie radio station that I was winning all these awards every year. It was, it was like the best radio DJ. Every year I was in the top three at least. And I was going up against some big names. I was doing great. I think my raise got to $40,000 a year. I was doing a morning show, getting up at 4.30 every single morning prepping my own show, producing my own show, editing my own show. I had no producer. I had no help, all right? I was the one bringing in all the guests, okay? My only co-hosts that I ever had were interns. So listen to this hustle, okay? I used to do a morning show. I would get up at 4.30 in the morning. I would go down to the station, prep my show on air at 6. Do that show until 10 in the morning. 
At that point, I go back up to my office, get my lunch. Generally, we'd have music meetings or we'd have to like deal with record label reps. I'd go home, take a nap, take a shower. And then on Monday nights, me and my boy, Justin Hamill, hosted the local show, The 615, starting at 6.15, going to 7.15. So that's every Monday night. So I was back at the station to do that, or we were doing it live from a bar. On Tuesday nights, I hosted Beer Bands and Bingo. That was from 7 to 9, I think, at Tin Roof in Nashville. On Wednesday nights, I hosted a cornhole tournament at Fat Bottom Brewery on the east side, which that was really fun, actually. Thursday head off, no night show, nothing on the Thursday night. And then on Friday, I did Friday Afternoon Live, where I do a live broadcast from Soulshine Pizza, where the local artist of the week that we started the 615 local show with on Monday would play a free set on Friday night, okay? So I just didn't sleep. We're the local indie station, AAA station, so every cool show that's happening at the Ryman or Mercy Lounge or Cannery Ballroom or the basement or the basement east, wherever, we're putting on, which means for the most part, I'm there bringing the bands on stage, hanging out, drinking with my buddies. And then all my friends are musicians. Literally was out almost every single night seeing live music, burning the candle at both ends, hustling. I could never do that now. Looking back, what an amazing time. I'll just give you one weekend that my brother always brings up that was a very cool weekend. Jacob Dylan came on my show, I think on like a Wednesday. He was playing at Exit Inn that night. So he came on my show, I interviewed him, then we went to exit in, saw his show, didn't love it, was kind of sleepy. So then we went across the street to, to this divey bar called The End. This is with my brother. So a band called Apache Relay Play, which they were my buds and I loved them so much. They went on tour with Mumford and Sons. They were good friends with Mumford and Sons kids. The next day we went to go see Grace Potter and the Nocturnals at, I think that was at exit in as well. That was Halloween. So Grace was dressed up like Dolly Parton and she had these big fake boobs and she couldn't see the keys because, um, because the big fake boobs were in her way. The night after that, we went and saw the Ava Brothers at the Ryman Auditorium. And then the next night after that, Mumford and Sons played at War Memorial Auditorium, which was so weird. And then there was a secret show at the Station Inn. And at the Station Inn, it was so hard to get in there, but, oh, because Big Mike from Apache Relay was the door guy there. So me and my brother go in, get seats, Old Crow Medicine shows on stage, Mumford and Sons is on stage, Dirks Bentley is there for some reason. Darius Rucker jumps on stage. Literally everyone is on stage. That was in a four-night span. It was just a crazy time to be in Nashville. So anyways, I just hustled super hard, and at some point, iHeartRadio came along. They said, hey, dude, you're freaking sucking a bunch of our ratings away from us. Come over to the, you know, the big corporate radio station. We'll pay you a lot of money. I took the gig, and I went and worked for iHeart for three years in Nashville, Tennessee, and... Listen, to be fair, I enjoyed my time there, but it became a job, whereas at the indie station, it was like, we were the cool kids telling you about the cool music. When I went to iHeart, it was corporate. It just was. I love the people I work with there. I loved everything about it, but it just felt different. In any corporate setting, they're going to get every last drop of shit out of you. And they did that. And I, it's also, to be fair, I allowed it because I was such a go-go-goer and a go-getter that I allowed them to do it. But this is your boy's day. I did a morning show on the alt station that we had. I had a couple hour break. Then I did the afternoon drive show on the classic rock station. Then I had a couple hour break. And then I did the night show on the river, which is the pop station. I literally was on the air all day long on three different stations. It was so confusing for the audience members because they were like, what station do you work for? I was like, dude, I work for all of them. 
except for the country station and the urban station. You know what's funny is that there was a day that I met with like the big wigs of iHeart and they're like, do you want to do country? And I was like, no, I don't, I can't do country. And they're like, why not? And I was like, I guess I could be like, hey, guess what? Coming up next, Jason Aldean's coming. Yeah, I guess I could have done it. In the middle of all this working at iHeartRadio, I get dumped. My brother, who I've told the story a million times, was approached by the Bachelor casting producers to be on the show. He turned it down, but he's one of those people that like just is friends with everybody forever because he's the best. And he was like, hey, he's got dumped. Dude, do you want to do, you want to go be on The Bachelorette? And at the time I was doing these bits where I'd go audition for commercials and I would bomb intentionally. So I'd have something to talk about the next day about how I didn't get the Meow Mix commercial or how I didn't get the China Pepper Plate commercial. But guess what? I did get the China Pepper Plate commercial because actor. So I was like, this would be so funny if I go do this and I'm going to, I'm going to douche it up and I'm not going to get cast on The Bachelorette and it'll be such fun radio fodder. I so big timed it. So they were like, hey man, so the casting's at this hotel downtown in this one day. And I was like, well, I got a hard out. And for those of you that don't know, in in like the industry, if you say you got a hard out, it means you got, you got like another gig you got to get to and you got to leave early. So that means that you have to go first. So I was like, well, I got a hard out at noon, which I did. I had to go do um, the afternoon drive show for the classic rock show. So they made me go, I, I got to go first. And I remember getting to the, the hotel that that day for casting and every dude is in a suit and I'm wearing a t-shirt, a band t-shirt and a jean jacket. And I'm like this, I fucking I fucked this up. Not even close to what I'm supposed to be wearing. <laughs> I guess you're supposed to wear what, you could be, what you'd wear at getting out of the limo, but I didn't do that. They take me up there first and they're like, who are you? And I'm like, yeah, my name's Wells. I'm a radio DJ. And they're like, Hey, do you do your radio thing? So I had already done a morning show. If you if you like think about the timeline, I had done the morning show. I'd wrapped my, my morning show. I'd come down to this audition in between my morning show and my afternoon drive show. So they were like, do your, do some radio bits. And at the time, I think it was right around when, when Justin Bieber had peed in a bucket for some reason. And I did have like this like long, like five minute diatribe about Justin Bieber peeing in a bucket and how like a lot of people would pay good money <laughs> to be that bucket, to be said bucket and how that bucket's like on eBay right now. And I did the, had this whole radio bit about Justin Bieber peeing in a bucket. And I was doing it for, I was like, so I had it memorized. So I just did it for these, these two women and they were dying laughing about it. And all of a sudden 45 minutes went by and like, they loved me and they're like, Hey man, what are you doing in March? And I was like, what am I doing in March? This, by the way, this was like in October, November. I was like, Mar I don't know what I'm doing in March. And they're like, well, I want to keep your calendar open because you're great. Then I get cast for The Bachelorette. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, I'll tell you about the casting process and then the weird world where we are today. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian Cocktail Maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day. 
with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist and Authorized Seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Back of the Wells cast. On today's episode, we're interviewing the most self-aggrandizing doucher in all of podcasting world, me. I'm interviewing myself. This is very weird, but you know what? Quarantine's messing with all of our brains, and listen, uh, we just couldn't get a guest today, so this is as good as it's going to get. Wells, welcome back into the show. Thanks, dude. Um, okay, so where was I? So I go do the first round of auditions in Los Angeles. They fly you out to Los Angeles, you stay at the Sheraton, you could spit on LAX. Stay at the Sheraton and they just going over you with a fine tooth comb. They got a PI going through all your arrest records, like digging up all this dirt on you, which just should, obviously it's a television show. You'd take an STD test, you have to take a 500 question psych evaluation, which is the weirdest test. By the way, I've done five of these shows. I think they test every single time because they got to make sure I'm not crazy, which I obviously am a little bit crazy, but they're poking and prodding you and then they get you dressed up and then you go do all these interviews. Like it's, you know, when you watch The Bachelor and it's just like you sitting on the couch talking or sitting on a chair, like talking about what's going on. Basically, they go make you do that. And so they made me do one of those. And they were like, hey, man, you're a radio DJ, like do a radio bit. By the way, this is still like me being like, there's no way I'm going to get this. But let's just see how far down the rabbit hole we can go, Alice. So I sat down and I did a radio bit. I think I might have done the same Justin Bieber bit because I was like, well, that worked before. I'll try it again. So you go do that. I The person that was interviewing me thought it was funny. They thought it, it whatever. And they're like, hey, come with me. We want, I want to introduce you to some friends. So then they take me through that room into another room. And there are about 25 my age people sitting on a couch, staring at a television with a chair in front of the television. And I'm like, what's up, guys? Hey, have a seat. So I sit down and I look behind me and there's a television. And oh, you guys were watching that whole thing. And they're like, yeah, we were. Oh, cool. And then the real audition starts. And it's all my age people. Now, granted, I'm older than most of the Bachelor contestants, right? I was 31 when I went on the show. Everyone else is like around like 26, 27. So I'm looking at this like sea of producers who are all about my age. Like the EP of the show, this guy named Lon Gale, he was a, he's like a year older than me. I had all these buttons on my jean jacket. They're like, what the fuck's on your jacket? These are my 14 pieces of flair. I was told that this was the required amount of flair that I needed to work at Chachkish. And that was a ripoff from a movie called Office Space. And so everyone started laughing and they're like, well, what's that one? And so then I got like annoyed that they were like kind of ripping on my buttons. I had one button that was a Wilco button and Wilco is a band out of Chicago. They're amazing. Jeff Tweedy, shout out. 
that's a band called Wilco, which you guys probably don't know about because I don't know, you guys are all living in Los Angeles and it's not Justin Bieber's pee bucket. So you guys probably don't know about it. And this is a taco because tacos are awesome. Oh, that's a bottle of sriracha because I feel strongly about hot sauces. And, oh, and that's a cassette because I like music and I got really defensive and they're like laughing at me because I, I guess I, I, I took it too far. Don't push my buttons. Oh. For whatever reason, they like me. And then they asked me to go on the show. I heart allowed me to take a leave of absence. Listen, it went fine. JoJo wasn't into me if you watched it. Problem is, is that I was good at that show. I was very good at doing reality TV. And I'll tell you why. Because as long as you don't say anything stupid, you're fine. And as long as you can be like somewhat entertaining and kind of like play ball, help tell the story in those interviews, then you're fine. And that's what I was. I had been in radio since I was 17 years old. I had the FCC like screaming down my back ever since I was a kid. So I was able to self-edit on that show and I was able to just get through the show very easily. The problem was that it was just hard for me to make out with her because never was around her because I didn't have cool coiffed hair and I didn't have abs down in my taint hole, okay? So I was just a skinny radio hipster guy, but I like became really good friends with the crew because I was I identified with them so much more than the cast, even though I was friends with the cast. I was a radio guy. So I was into the mics and I wanted to know about like what mics they were using and like what they were editing on. And I also when I was worked at the radio station, I used to edit all the in studio videos. Like I've got a bunch that I'm like really actually very proud of. So I was like, what are you guys editing on? Like is this on Final Cut Pro or is like is it Avid now? And like crew became my buds. When I got kicked off the show and I knew that they wanted me to be on Paradise, I really didn't want to do the show. They fought me tooth and nail to do Bachelor in Paradise. And I was like, listen, guys, I don't want to do that show. I'm a little raw after feeling like a dipshit on that reality TV show. Like, I think I'm done. And they really want to be in the show. And I was like, well, hey, listen, man, you know, I was a bartender and a waiter when I first was getting going in Nashville. Let me be the bartender. And they were like, no, you can't because we have a bartender. And I said, okay, well, if I agree to this and that position ever becomes available, Will you offer it to me first? And here's like my big thing, I think, that I, my big point for these, this, this show. Guess what? The answer is always no, 100% of the time, if you don't ask. So I asked. And I said, yeah, well, if that ever becomes available, sure. I said, okay, I'll do the show. I still want, was open to finding love. I wanted to go to Mexico, you know? That's kind of how I negotiated that. It was just like, hey, man, if it ever becomes available, I want to do that. And they're like, great. Shout out to NZK Production. Shout out to ABC. Shout out to Elon Gale and all the other producers over there because they honored it because the next season happened. Jorge originally was the bartender for that resort. And so he was just working there and somehow he kind of like got brought into the show. And then he left that job to go start his tourism company. So when that happened, it wasn't like they fired Jorge for me. It was that he left to like have a better life. And so they're like, you know what? It, we're going to bring Wells in. He's going to ha he's gonna be instrumental for the show for us because he's going to be able to actually speak English. That was the problem with Jorge. Is his English was bad. He's been here. He's done the show. He can give everyone advice on what to do and what not to do. He can be a confidant. And that's what a bartender really is, right? Like the, the first ever therapists in the world were bartenders and hairdressers. So that's what my role was. And I, I make a mean margarita. So I did that show. Why I'm valuable to Bachelor in Paradise is because everyone that comes on that show trusts me because I've been there and I've seen it. And like, listen, I don't want anyone to look bad on TV. I really don't. And so if you're doing something stupid on that show, I'm going to tell, I'm going to be the first to tell you. And like, you got to see like a little bit in this last season where I was like 
John Paul Jones, you look so dumb, bro. Because you're going after the guy that looks so nice. He was totally cool about getting dumped by Demi and then her bringing her girlfriend from not the Bachelor world onto the beach. And you're making like all this stuff. Like I was like, dude, you just look bad. And I think a lot of people saw that and they're like, you know, Wells is on our side. That's good. And of course, also like, I think things are funny. And so like, if things are funny, I'm going to like help them be funny. You know, I mean, I'm a little bit of a pot stewer, but for the most part, like I help people out in the show. You know, the rest is history, right? Like my fiance, Sierra Highland, it was a huge fan of The Bachelorette and The Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise. That first season of me doing puppets and shit, everyone thought that was so funny. I was like I showcased a lot on that first season of Bachelor in Paradise. You know, she tweeted out to me and I shot my shot and your boy made it. Because guess what? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Just like the answers always know 100% of the time if you don't ask. And I've done a bunch of different shows now and I've worked a bunch of different venues. The point of this show is, is how do you get successful? And for me, because I'm not the best looking guy, I'm not the funniest guy, I'm not the smartest guy, but I tell you what I am, I'm on time. I'm always in a good mood. Even when I'm not in a good mood, I'm in a good mood when I'm at work. I'm easy to work with and I get shit done. What, what is the saying? Like 90% of success is just like showing up. It's so true. Take it a step further, like show up on time, if not early. Be super pumped to be there. Make everyone's day a little bit better because you're there, you know? Like throw on the smile, be fun. Be like, yeah, whatever you guys need, let's do it. Let's do this thing. This will be great. Be pumped about it. Be annoyed when you should be annoyed. Like don't be like the douchebag yes man, but be a joy to work with. It all goes back to my, when I was doing my own morning show and I was talking about this on Justin Sylvester's podcast, The Sip. When I was doing my morning show, I was having to do all the booking. And so I was having to deal with a lot of artists and a lot of comics and a lot of actors, and I was having to deal with their managers as well. I came across so many managers and so much talent that was tough to deal with that when the next year came around and they came back through town or their new another movie or television show came up and they wanted to come do an interview with me and they were a pain in my ass, I'd say, no, I don't, I don't care. You're a pain in the ass to work with. I do not need to work with you. No, thank you. But I'll tell you what. The people that came in that studio that were a joy to work with. I remember, dude, I remember Ingrid Michaelson coming in and being like, Wells, what's up? Do you know how f***ing cool it is to be 25 years old and Ingrid Michaelson come in and be like, dude, I remember you, Wells. How's it going? Yeah, dude, last, last time I was here was a year ago. And I was like, well, what do you want to play? And she was like, well, last time I was here, I played this song and this song. And then the time before that, you weren't interviewing me, but I was another guy and I played this song and this. So, so I think it'd be fun if I played this song and this song. What do you think? And I was like, yeah, dude, that sounds dope. And she was like, okay, let's do this thing, man. I remember being like, oh, I totally understand why Ingrid Michaelson's so famous because she's so awesome to work with. That was amazing. She came in here. She remembered my name. Do you know how much that, that made me feel so good? And then all of a sudden the energy in the interview is amazing because I'm like, yes, dude, I want to interview Ingrid Michaelson. I mean, I like her music anyways, but like now I'm a huge fan of yours, you know? Dude, Ryan Bingham, I remember, would write me a Christmas card every year. Do you know how dope it is? And I'm sure it was like his publicist or something, but do you know how cool it is just being a music fan? And I don't even know if you know who Ryan Bingham is, but he's an amazing singer. He's the one who wrote the song for that movie, Crazy Heart, with Jeff Bridges, that I think won an Oscar. He's the one who wrote that song. He's in that movie, actually. But anyways... I remember Ryan Bingham, after he'd come in on my show, he'd write me a thank you note. And then every year for Christmas, he would write me a Christmas card. And I probably, he probably was his producer or whatever, but you know how far that went for me? Dude, every time Ryan Bingham was in town, f dude, you gotta be kidding me if he's not on my show. You are kidding me if he's not on my show. Of course he's on my show. He's my best friend now. Come in there. What up, dude? High five. Let's take a picture. He didn't give me two 
it's about me. But he made me feel that way. You got to take that mentality into everything you do because you affect everyone every single day you walk into a room. You really do. Even with like your close friends and stuff, dude, energy is so transferable. It's crazy, especially positive energy, positive energy, man. So anyways, write thank you notes. The common denominator of successful people is thank you notes. I'm telling you that's crazy, but it's true. Handwritten, typed, whatever, not an email sent through the mail or given to them. Show up like pumped to do it. People don't want to fire the guy that everyone likes in the office. Do you know what they want to do? They want to give that guy a raise. So that's my whole thing. Also, just don't leave your house right now during this quarantine. That's that's my other thing. So after The Bachelor in Paradise, I met uh, just like a quick thing. I met Sarah Highland. We got engaged. I moved out to Los Angeles. I stopped doing terrestrial radio. Just do podcasts now. I'm filming a television show. It's not Bachelor related, but that got stopped because freaking Corona. Oh, and by the way, they just announced it. I did uh, Food Network's America's Worst Cooks. So I'm going to be on that celebrity edition with Johnny Bananas and Dave Couillier, cut it out from uh, Full House and Brian Posehn. He's a stand-up comedian who's amazing. He's also on the new Mandalorian show. Robin Gibbons. She was in like Coming to America, I think. Some Eddie Murphy movie. She's amazing. Oh, Sonia Morgan, who's on like one of those housewife shows and she's just a head case. But anyways, that, yeah, that's me coming out in May. That's exciting. All right, Wells, I want to be respectful of your time. But before I let you go, I want to do rapid fire questions on the Wells cast with Wells, Wells Adams. First kiss. Oh, Maggie Finnegan underneath the fort that I was telling you about. And we had a kissing chart. I remember taking a knife out there and we would mark how many times we kissed underneath the slide by like tally marks. Pizza tapping. Hot sauce and ranch dressing. First concert. Think it was Dave Matthews Band <laughs> at Shoreline Amphitheater. I can't remember who opened up. I think it was definitely a Dave Matthews Band show at Shoreline. First job. Um, dude, I had a bunch of good first jobs. I was a bag boy at a golf course, the Carmel Valley Ranch. Shout out. Love that job. That was so much fun. My buddy Alex Brandt's dad was a contractor, so I was a roofer. And I had Gucci glasses. This is how douchey I was. I had Gucci glasses. And another guy that uh, Alex's brother, Tommy, also had Gucci glasses. So we dubbed it Gucci Roofing. <laughs> And I remember it was not safe at all. And we would just tied a rope around the chimney and then tied it around my waist because I was the, the littlest, like the thinnest, and I could go like the highest up on the roof. That was a really fun job too. Uh, first car. What's really interesting is I'm kind of a car guy. My first car ever was a 1989 FJ62 Land Cruiser. Okay. We sold it in 1997. We bought it in Sun Valley, Idaho in 1988 for $18,000. We sold it probably in 1997 um, for, I don't know, $4,000, maybe not even that much, but I love that car. And so much so that if I ever made money, I was going to buy that car back. Now I didn't buy the exact one, but I bought mate model year. So I, to this day, have the first car that I ever had. I have a 1989 Toyota Land Cruiser FJ62, and it's the dopest ride you've ever seen. Also, terrible gas mileage. Celebrity you get mistaken for. Dude, I don't know. Benny the Jet Rodriguez from Sandlot. The Karate Kid. I do get the kid from the 1975 a good bit. Especially when I wore beanies and leather jackets a lot. Favorite podcast other than this one. My other one. Your favorite thing podcast with Brandy Cyrus. You should go listen to it. First record, cassette, or CD. What was it? Dude, okay, so I stole a lot of CDs from my sister, Marisa. I remember stealing... 
Grateful Dead's greatest hits, Skeletons in the Closet. Great album, by the way. The first record that I bought my, so, so I don't know if you remember this, but you could buy singles on CD or on cassette. I bought the single for R.E.M.'s What's the Frequency, Kenneth. The first full album, LP, long play that I bought was Green Day's Dookie at the Del Monte Shopping Center. And I left it on the fountain in like the middle of the shopping center. And I had to go back and buy it again. What was your high school yearbook superlative? I do remember, I don't know if we had them in high school, but I remember going to tennis camp and we did superlatives for that yearbook. And I got most likely to be on SNL. And that's one that to this day, I'm very proud of. If you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Tacos or sandwiches. Tacos probably though, because they're very versatile. You have barbecue tacos, you have shrimp tacos, you know? You have veggie tacos. Literally could be a new thing every day, but it's still in, it's the same thing with sandwiches, you know? What is the most expensive thing you've ever purchased for someone else? Um, an engagement ring. What's a nickname you go by? How did you get it? Okay, so Bub is my nickname. Uh, it really only my family and like really, really close friends will call me Bub or it's really Wellsy Bub. And how I got it was my father nicknamed me that because another name for the devil is Beelzebub. And so he started calling me Wellsybub because apparently I am the devil. Thanks, Pop. It's probably a good place to stop. <laughs> there you go. There's my Wells cast on me. Wells, you've been great at doing this interview. I barely have had to ask a question. So thanks so much. Everyone out there, please stay inside because seriously, the coronavirus is real and take it seriously. I know that I'm doing that in, in like kind of like my joking radio voice, but seriously, stay inside. All right, love you guys. I think that's it, right? If you like this show, when I look at the reviews and stuff, it seems like you guys are digging on it. If you like the show, tell a couple friends, I guess, or like tweet to us. If you tweet to me about this show, I will respond. I will retweet. For sure, bro. But tell your friends on Instagram and Twitter uh, and Facebook and whatever. Also rate and review if you haven't done that, like in the Apple or Google Play stores, that helps. Because when you have a lot of reviews and like a lot of positive messages and stuff, people see that and they're like, oh, I'll give them a shot, you know? So anyways, if you do that, that'd be cool. If it, if, it, if you don't want to do that, then don't do that. I don't, I mean, you know, live your life. But that, I'm just asking if you liked it. So anyways, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go make a drink, I guess. That's what we, that's what I do now, dude. You wake up, you watch the news, you eat breakfast, you decide, am I going to eat a second breakfast? I don't know. And then you, it's basically, you're just like waiting to like, when's the right time to start drinking again is what quarantining is all about. But this is really fun. I have so much more to tell in my story, I guess, but I didn't play any of my old air checks. Oh man, oh, whatever. All right. Love you guys. Subscribe to Wells Cast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.